Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 6th, 2008. And today we're going to be discussing the upcoming Robert Schuller conference. It's called the Rethinking Conference. And uh, the title of the message is, What is Robert Schuller Rethinking? And this is going to be held at the Crystal Cathedral. And it's coming up, I believe, this week. Um, and he's got a quite a cast of characters that he's going to be promoting. We're going to be talking about them individually. And we're going to be doing uh, kind of a Bible study slash apostasy watch today. And I want to start out with some Bible verses that relate to this particular subject because a lot of people would say, you know, you have no right to judge these things or, or we just need to, uh, you know, let go and let God, these types of things. So let's look at some Bible verses and we're going to be kind of interspersing this through the study today. Uh, Ezekiel 33.6, and I'm going to kind of be going through these because I have a lot of a lot of material to cover today. This is such a vast teaching because there's so many different speakers at this conference, and there's no way I can cover them all, really. Um, a lot of them, and there's so many different speakers at this particular conference, there's really no way to do a study where you're going to cover every one of them. A lot of them, as you will see, have nothing to do with Christianity, and probably the majority of them, or at least half, have nothing to really do with Christianity. And we're going to be going through those more toward the end. I want to establish more of a, of a foundation for this teaching up front. We're going to be looking a lot at Robert Schuller and the co-host of this conference named Erwin McManus. And in Ezekiel 33.6 it says, But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and, he is, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So, if any, I guess as far as my ministry goes, this would be, I believe the ministry the Lord's called me to, is to be a watchman and a teacher, more than anything. And this is one of the, uh, I guess, my life's verses. And what I'm trying to do is blow the trumpet, so that the people, and particularly the body of Christ, are warned, so that they're not taken unaware, so that they're not destroyed for lack of knowledge, as according to Hosea 4.6. And uh, this is one of my motivations. Jude 3 and 4 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you for the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very appropriate for today's teaching and for many of the other teachings that I've done. And these are things that we need to do as far as earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And we're going to be talking today a lot about men, certain men that crept in unawares who were before or of old ordained to this condemnation. See, the Lord knows the beginning from the end. And uh, these men were ordained to this condemnation, unfortunately. And this is what we're really going to be talking about today. John 9.4 says, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And I really do believe that we're going to be coming into a time soon where, let's say, Sermons Audio, um, a lot of the particular speakers or teachers on there cannot say what they were saying previously because if these hate crime laws get enacted, which uh, you know they've been trying to enact for quite a while, the Bible is going to become outlawed. It will have to be outlawed because that's the only way that you could um, marry the hate bills with the Bible. One cannot exist with the other. And that's what's, unfortunately, uh, they have planned for us. 1 Timothy 4.1, verses 1 and 2, and we, we quote this one quite a bit. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their consciences seared with a hot iron. And this is exactly what we're talking about today. We're in the latter times. They're departing from the faith. You can come to no other conclusion by looking at this particular study that they are giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is what has to happen prior to, I believe, the tribulation leading into the tribulation in order to have a one-world religion, one-world political system. You have to have all of this in place in order for the Antichrist to arise uh, to the position that he's going to be arising to. So, 
we're going to be talking a lot today about speaking lies and hypocrisy. And having their consciences seared with a hot iron. There's no way that the majority of these men can have any kind of real conscience. Uh, and if the Holy Spirit was living in, was actually truly living within them, why, how can they do the things they do? How can they say the things they say and have no conviction, no conscience about anything? That would have to strike you. I mean, as, as a Christian myself and Christians that I know, I mean, if you do things and you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. And a bastard is an illegitimate son. So if you claim to be a born-again Christian, and you're living like the devil, or let's say you're one of these preachers of apostasy, and they're going, they're being seemingly blessed in their ministry, they're growing bigger and bigger, there's no conviction of sin, there's no conviction that they're doing anything wrong. How could the Holy Spirit live inside them? It just doesn't quite add up from a biblical standpoint. So that's something to look at. Uh, Matthew 12.37 says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now this is a uh, fear of the Lord type of verse. And um, these preachers like uh, Rick Warren and Robert Schuller and uh, Joel Olstein and these types of, of people, you know, by the words they're going to be justified, and by the words they're going to be condemned. And they're going to be in a very incredibly highly accountable position uh, because they were using Christianity in order to lead people into apostasy, which I believe is more of a grievous sin than if you're a Satanist and you're recruiting people into Satanism, because at least, hey, you know it's Satanism then. At least they're being halfway honest. In this way, you're using the cross of Christ in order to deceive others, which is, I think, more of a heinous thing. Of course, I'm not God, but it just would stand to reason. So if we go further, Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So this is what we're doing today. We're, we're, we're not having fellowship with the unfruitful, but we're actually reproving them. We're shedding light on them. And as Christians, we're called to be salt and light, and light always exposes darkness. And salt is always you know, a potential irritant, and it's a preservative, and um, it's something that, another thing to think about there. So if... And it also says in Matthew 24, 24, and it says, If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So again, this is the time, day and time we're living in. If it were possible, the very elect are going to be deceived. And we want to make sure that we're not one of those that are deceived. And here's another verse that relates to that. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So if you're... If you're in a or if you're in one of these churches, Satan is absolutely 100% getting an advantage of you. Now you may not be aware of it, but that's why this verse was written: "Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." This is not something we want to be ignorant of. It's not something where you want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge, um, because of that. Now, going into some of the verses that gives a Christian a right to mark these people to judge these situations, we can go first to 1 Corinthians 2.15, where it says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Okay, so this is something we're supposed to do. Jesus said in John 7.24, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Okay, now, when it says, Judge not lest ye be judged, that's in a hypocritical sense. Um, when the brother had you know, a speck in his eye and this man was trying to judge the beam and he had a beam in his own eye. So we don't want to judge if we're a hypocrite. If we have a beam in our own eye and we're trying to judge the speck in our brothers, that is hypocritical judgment. That's when you judge not lest ye be judged. But beyond that, as a spiritual Christian, we are he that is spiritual judgeth all things, judge righteous judgment, and that Jesus Christ said that. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18, Now I beseech you, brethren, he's pleading with them, Notice, he's pleading with them. He's beseeching them. I beseech you, brethren, mark them, which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. This is exactly what we're talking about today. This is a doctrine that is contrary to the word of God. Uh, that we're going to be talking about this rethinking conference. What it boils down to is they're rethinking Christianity. They're seeking something new. They're seeking, ultimately, the New Age religion of the Antichrist. In which, in Daniel, it said that 
uh, speaking of the Antichrist, that he will cause craft to prosper, meaning witchcraft. And this is why all these kids are being indoctrinated into Harry Potter and these demonic video games and these types of things. So this is the, the very reason why this is all going on. Um, and it says here, it says, They serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own desires, their own needs, their own flesh, in other words. That's what they're serving. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Well, that's a great example of Robert Schuller. You know, he's Mr. Feelgood Joel Osteen. You know, you cannot pack out stadium churches and churches like this unless you're preaching some type of feel-good gospel. Because if you were preaching true biblical Christianity and that type of gospel, the numbers would thin very quickly. Because people don't want to hear it. Now, we can give you some examples here of people that were actually marked in the Old Testament. 2 Timothy 4, 14-15 says... Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Okay, so this is we have a specific example of a specific person being marked because of the evil that they had done in this particular case, Paul. And he said, The Lord reward him according to his works. Well, the, I thought the Bible said, Bless them that curse you and do good to them that despitefully use you. Yes, it does say that. But let me ask you a question. If there's a wicked person around, and they're prospering in their wickedness. Are we to pray that they continue to prosper in their wickedness? Does that make any biblical sense whatsoever? Really, the ultimate blessing that you could pray for a person is for salvation. Obviously, Alexander the coppersmith needed to be saved. And my prayer for these people is that if it be possible, I pray their souls be saved. For it shall will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So this is this would be my prayer for Alexander the coppersmith. But the Lord warned him according to his works. Now... Where do we see another precedent for this? In Psalm 64, where it says, But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God. So in, in the case of Psalm 64, when God shoots at them with an arrow, a wicked person, and this is most likely a wicked person that is not going to repent, no matter what you do, which, if you think about it, is the majority of people on planet Earth. Most people are not going to repent of their wickedness. If the Lord judging a wicked person brings other people to repentance, isn't that a good thing? What if the Lord never judged that wickedness, and these people never repented? Well, then they might have not ever repented, and they might not have ever went to heaven. So, I tend to look at things, uh, try to look at things from a broad biblical perspective. And when God judges wickedness, typically the result is people getting saved, the fear of God, these types of things. When Ananias and Sapphira were judged, when they were killed, okay, what was the result, what was the net effect of that in Acts? Well, it said that great fear fell upon many, many were converted, and they brought, to, you know, they brought together their curious arts, they burned them, these types of things. So it was all positive, but see, we don't tend to look at things that way in America, because that's a little too radical for most people. So then we have 2 Timothy 4.10, which says, For Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now again, we have, a, we have Paul marking a specific person in 2 Timothy 4.10. Um, now let's read Titus 1.9-14. In Titus 1.9-14 it says, Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he, may, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. How, do we, how are we supposed to primarily, what is our primary way that we're supposed to bring forth truth? Through sound doctrine. That should be our foundation. Okay? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11.3. So we want to make sure our foundation is sure. And the King James Bible is, is, is our foundation. It's the word of God. Okay? So, holding fast the faithful word, as hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. We're going to be talking about a whole lot of them today. And we have a whole lot more today than they did back then. You know, um, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That word wax means to grow. And that's 2 Timothy 3.13. And that um, verse applies, I mean, if they're going to wax worse, they're growing worse. And that's the time, day and time we're living in, when they're doing that. So, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision... In other words, the Jews of that particular time, more likely we're dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. Uh, 
whose mouths must be stopped. Now, you don't hear very many ver- sermons on this. Now, I'm not saying we go out and get a club and we stop their mouths that way. Uh, but I think that there's no problem with us praying in regard to their mouths being stopped, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God. I mean, is it doing the Lord a service that Robert Schuler's out there putting forth this heresy? Now, I understand that it, that it clearly says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that God is going to be the one that sends the strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth. So, it's kind of a double-edged sword because God's letting this happen. It said God's going to send it. He's, he's um, permitting this to happen. But at the same time, we want to try as Christians to help as many people out of the fire as we can. We don't want to just like lay down and, and let that process happen and uh, do nothing about it. So it says, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things they ought not. Why? For filthy lucre's sake. <laughs> it was the same back then as it is now, except it's worse now. Um, for filthy lucre's sake. This verse reminds me of Benny Hinn. I really get this Benny Hinn feeling when I read this verse. I, you know, um, One of them, and continuing in this verse, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Oh, now why didn't he say, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's not nice. You, you, you just, you, you know, we never want to say anything like that about anybody else. We're called to judge those within the house of God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where it talks about turning such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. It said, purge ye out therefore the old leaven, that the whole lump be not leavened. It said not to even eat or fellowship with these, with these types of, of people that call themselves brothers. So, you know, the problem is, is we're only getting one side of the Bible most of the time. We're just getting the feel-good gospel that is from some watered-down version, typically, most of the time. And uh, they're getting worse and worse and worse, these subsequent versions. But these types of verses are all through the New Testament. I mean, I've just read a few here. Of course, old too, but New Testament. And we're going to read a whole lot more. But they're rarely preached on. It's as though, you know, they don't preach the whole counsel of God. They, They just preach tiny portions that serve their belly and their ministry typically, for filthy lucre's sake. So, it said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. We're, now, we're talking about a race of people here. We're not talking about one person like Demas or Alexander. We're talking about a race of people. Now, I'm not saying we go around judging races, and but he said this here, so it's just good to have this in perspective. He says, wherefore rebuke them sharply. So, how do you handle these people? It says, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. That's why you rebuke them sharply. Not because you want to show them you're Mr. Smarty Pants and you're better and you're more spiritual than they are. You do this out of actual love so that they may be found sound in the faith. Because certain types of people, evidently, you have to handle this way. They don't listen to anything else unless you rebuke them sharply. Then it says, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from truth. Now, a whole bunch of people today are giving heed to Jewish fables. Just go to the Messianic Jews, or these um, Christian Zionists, this whole movement. That's all they do is give heed to uh, Jewish fables. We've got to keep the feasts. We've got to keep the Sabbath. We've got to do this and we've got to do that. The Jews don't actually um, have to get saved the same way we do. They get, they get a jail free card pass. They get, they get to go by ethnic salvation just because the blood... You know, all these things that like guys like John Hagee and the Messianic Jews and the Jews for Jesus and these types of things teach. So, um, it's war in here, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. And um, then Titus 3.10 says, A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Okay? So... I just kind of wanted to give a few of those verses before we get into this. And again, the, the title of, of this particular article I'm going to be reading here is What is Robert Schuller Rethinking? The Crystal Cathedral Conference Accused of Twisting Biblical Christianity. So, man, they show a picture of this Crystal Cathedral. Unbelievable. It looks like a big, um, it looks like a building you'd see like in New York City somewhere. It's just pure glass, it looks like. 
And uh, then you look at Jesus Christ and said the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. And yet these guys are in stadiums like Joel Osteen. He fills the stadium every week. And these, I mean, I saw a a picture. Uh, they, they had this clip on him the other day. And he has elevators. In, you know, so the people going up the elevators to get into their seats. And, and he's got his big globe in the back turning real slow, which I want to get behind me, but I've been working on it. But I, I just haven't been able to get the tithe money going to to save up for the globe. Just kidding. Teasing. But, yeah, um, he's got all kind of things um, in that in that particular arena that he's in. But this, it starts out, it says, it's an all-star conference set for the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California, January 17th through 19th. And that's why I wanted to do this study now. I didn't want to wait any longer because I don't want to do this after the conference has already been run. Former president and Skull and Bones member George W. Bush will speak. Apostate Chuck Colson will make a presentation. Now, I'm inserting some words here. But Larry King from the secular media will also be there. Mass pornographer and distributor and publisher of the Satanic Bible through his, through his parent company, HarperCollins, Rupert Murdoch will address all the attendees as well. So these are just some of the speakers that are going to be there. Ben Stein will be there. I think he's in like the Hollywood guy. And Kay Warren, the wife of the Saddleback Church mega pastor and Council of Foreign Relation member, Rick Warren, she'll be there. And they'll join Robert Schuller, the white-haired, bespectacled purveyor of possibility thinking. I like the sign of that, bespectacled. I never used that word before. I need to use that more. And it says, so what, what could such a diverse group have in common? What's the topic? Well, it's a little vague. It's called the Rethink Conference, which, which in itself is pretty vague if you think about it. What are we rethinking here? Well, Schuler promises that there will be at least 30 ah moments from the 30 different speakers confirmed for the event. Ah moments, yeah. Not everyone is thrilled about the meeting of the minds. Some, including Christian author and former New Age devotee Warren Smith, suspect an agenda to subvert the church, to take the focus off biblical truth and absolutes. Well, obviously, that's the absolute total agenda. And we're going to absolutely confirm that here, too. Um, now, this is from this Warren Smith guy. He says, from my perspective as a former New Age follower, I believe that Robert Schuller's mission has always been to rethink and change biblical Christianity into something new, as in the New Age, New New Age, New Spirituality that he says. Smith has a book called Deceived on Purpose, uh, entitled The New Age Implications of the Purpose-Driven Church, which I've seen this book advertised a lot, and, and um, I have never read it, but from what I've read from this particular man, I believe it's a very good book. You can get it up on Cutting Edge, um, and if you just do a keyword search for it on the internet, you can find it as well. But what this book does is it documents Schuler's contacts and endorsements of New Age stars such as Gerald Jampolsky, Neil Donald Walsh, and Bernie Siegel. Now, Neil Donald Walsh was the guy that wrote Conversations with God. And we're going to be talking more about this lately. I was actually preparing for a study that I was going to be doing on Oprah Winfrey because she influences so many people and she's going to be influencing so many people into apostate New Age Christianity. And she has, in her meetings, held up the book Conversations with God and said, this is my favorite book. This is my number one favorite book. Now, this is Oprah Winfrey. Now, the guy that wrote Conversations with God is one of the key, is, um, uh, one of the key people they're promoting. Okay? Neil Donald Walsh. So, we're going to be looking at Conversations of, with God and, and another thing, uh, A Course in Miracles, as well. Because I think it's good to establish this as a foundation as well. Um, as a former New Age follower, I could hardly believe it, says Warren Smith. On October 17, 2004, more than 20 years after his first appearance on the Hour of Power, New Age leader Gerald Jampolsky was once again, was once again uh, Robert Schuller's featured guest. Now this is a new, flat out, total New Ager that was featured as Robert Schuller's key guest. I mean, they're not even being subtle about this, even remotely subtle. Uh, I was not surprised on one, on one level because I had always been aware of Schuller's affection for the New Age teachings. What did surprise me 
was that Schuler's willingness to be so openly aligned with a veteran New Age leader. Now, this is coming from a guy that's come out of the New Age movement. So, uh, he's kind of like been there and done it, you know. Well, that's how bad, and this is how um, flagrant that this is getting. Smith says, it was Jampowski who first introduced him to A Course in Miracles. And again, that's the one that Oprah's going to be promoting, and she... Um, she has promoted it, and we're going to be talking more about that. I don't want to give too much away in the next on that teaching that I'm going to be doing on Oprah. But um, this will be a good uh, foundation for that. So, Smith says, Jampowski, who first introduced him to A Course in Miracles, the best-selling book, um, New Age Bible, that taught him that there is no sin, a slain Christ has no meaning, and the recognition of God is recognition of yourself. This isn't the New Age Bible now. This, they're calling this Course of Miracles the New Age Bible. Okay? And what does it teach? There's no sin. A slain Christ has no meaning. And that the recognition of God is recognition of yourself. That's what three of its, of its key tenets. Now let's go ahead and I'm going to just read a little bit more about this Course in Miracles. Because I think it's important uh, as a, to establish this as a foundation. When Marianne Williamson who's not the author of Course in Miracles, wrote her book, Reflections on Love, based on the Course in Miracles, Oprah Winfrey promoted Williamson on her show. And then the book skyrocketed. To understand Marianne Wilson, one must understand A Course in Miracles. So, this new revelation began in 1965, when Helen Shushaman, an associate professor of medical psychology at Columbia University in New York, began receiving channeled messages from a speaker who would later identify himself as Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, week after week, we go over this, whether you, whether it's from the Raelians, whether it's from Lord Betraya, whether it's from Robert Schuller, whether it's from Oprah Winfrey, they're all saying the same stuff. I mean, and this is exactly what the Bible predicted was going to happen. Okay? So that's why I don't let this get you down, because the Bible said this was going to happen. This is just confirmation of Scripture. So, let me just go over that last part again. There's this lady in 1965. She was associate professor of medical psychology at Columbia University, Helen Shushaman. She started receiving channeled messages from a speaker who would later identify himself as Jesus Christ. Now, this happens all the time in the New Age. And this is how Oprah can go on there and still call this Christian. She says, well, you know, the Course in Miracles was actually channeled through Jesus Christ, even though it's totally contradictory to the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ was the incarnate Word. Why would He contradict the Word of God, channeling through some new age? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. It's just a deception. It's part of the strong delusion that God said He would send in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. And, there, and again, we've read other verses that relate to that. So, this is how this Course in Miracles got written. And remember, this is essentially like the New Age Bible. This Course in Miracles. So I guess you've got to choose whom this day you're going to serve, is pretty much what it boils down to. So, the messages begin with the words, Please take notes. This is not optional. So Helen Shushaman, a atheist, Jewish psychologist, I mean, that's who I would definitely channel a message to, you know, she, he, uh, she began writing, for the next ten years, the voice in the head is said to have dictated in an, in, in, in an audible voice over 500,000 words contained in three different volumes, supposedly from Jesus Christ, all contradictory to the word of God. Three different volumes, 500,000 words. This was done through the process called automatic handwriting, in which the spirit entity guides the hand. This is something that's very common. I'm going to just read that last part again. This was So this process of writing this book, which is how a lot of rock songs were written as well, and a lot of things like uh, Aleister Crowley, um, uh, the thing that was dictated to him by a spirit guide called Ewas, uh, Aleister Crowley, the self-proclaimed great beast, um, he dictated a whole book, I think it was the Book of the Law, what he called the Book of the Law. Uh, through a spirit guy called Ewas. And essentially, it would be like you sitting down to a table, and you're like on autopilot. Your hand's moving, there's, there's letters coming out, 
and you're not the one in control, though. Okay, this is a form of demonic possession, is what it is. And um, this is used, like I said, there's been a lot of different rock songs that were written this way. Stairway to Heaven was written this way, which is the most popular rock song in all of history. Um, a lot of the overt, um, uh, high-level rock and roll people, this is how they get their songs. I mean, you can, you can hear them from their own, um, their own interviews, they say this. So, automatic handwriting in which the spirit entity guides the hand, and this was also done through what they call clairaudience, which is hearing from a disembodied spirit, which would be like necromancy. Supposedly they're talking to the dead. All that they're talking to is a, is a familiar spirit. They're not talking to the dead, because the Bible says, um, is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. You either go to heaven, or you either, either go to hell. You don't hang around on earth, in haunt houses, and do all these other things like they would have you believe. But see, when you watch one of these shows where they've got haunted houses and you talk to ear Aunt Ethel that is dearly departed and basically, you know, she just wants to tell everyone that she's in a better place and this type of thing. And Aunt Ethel was an atheist. What does that do? It totally, you can just throw your Bible out the window if you believe Aunt Ethel. And that's the whole goal. It's part of the strong delusion that, um, that is being sent, unfortunately. So... This was, that's called Claire Audience, Hearing from Disembodied Spirits. This lady, Shushaman, wrote this hefty volume, and she claims the source of the words were Jesus Christ himself. Of course, all you have to do is compare it to the Bible to know that this is a total lie, because God is not going to contradict his word. The Course, this Course in Miracles, is a spiritual, psychological book put in a systematic teaching consisting of three books altogether. 1,188 pages, a 622-page text, a 478-page workbook for students, and an 88-page manual for teachers. This isn't something she just casually whipped together. This is something they took that Satan took great care in planning and bringing out. And they're calling this essentially like the New Age Bible. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, which we'll be talking about today, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now that's the whole verse that we had read from before. But it's under the context of, um, if anyone says, Lo, here is Christ, or there is Christ, believe it not. For there are going to be many false Christs and false prophets. Okay, all you got to do is turn around, turn it on TBN. You know, or, or or look at that teaching we did on Lord uh, Lord Betraya, Lord Maitreya. Or all these other people going around saying that I am Jesus Christ incarnate, or I am a Christ, or I am ascended master, or whatever they're calling themselves. But it says that their principal way that they're going to deceive people is that they will show great signs and wonders. That's the principal way that they're going to deceive people. We haven't even got to that point yet. Because I don't really see anybody going around really doing great signs and wonders yet. Now, I know we had talked about that uh, devil, devil betray a guy, and supposedly he's taking credit for every single miracle that's going on in the world right now. But I'm talking about guys that are actually manifesting these things. Um, that's what's coming. So if you think the deception is great now, where do you see what the devil has in store? This is why you have to be grounded. Build your rock on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the Word of God. And then when all these things, when the waves come in and the winds and all the other things, you're going to still be set and stable on the foundation. Because you're not building your foundation on following some man, or following some religion, or following whatever. You're going to be on the rock of Christ Jesus. Okay, That's what you, where you want to build your house. So Luke 21 verse 8 says, And Jesus said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye therefore after them. Go ye not therefore after them. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go, that would be mean we would go to the Robert Schuller concert. No. It says, go ye not therefore after them. Okay, so these are not men or people that we want to go after. Remember, Jeremiah 17.5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So when you go after man, when you trust in man, you're bringing a curse on yourself, it says, according to the Bible. 
Cursed be the man that trusteth the man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So when you trust in man, the ultimate, the ultimate outcome of that will be that your heart is going to ultimately depart from the Lord. According to Jeremiah 17.5. So it's something to think about. You've got to be very, very careful who you're following. As I've told people here, don't, don't follow me. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not Jesus Christ. You need to follow Christ. Don't believe everything I say. Check me out. Okay, I'm not trying to hold myself to a higher standard or to a higher accountability than I'm holding Robert Schuller. Okay, I'm marking him because he, he doesn't pass the scriptural test any particular way, shape, or form. But I'm not trying to hold him to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. So if we go further with this, it says Dr. William Thetford was one of her colleagues. This was the lady that wrote this Course in Miracles. He was a clinical psychologist at Columbia University. While he never heard the voice, he was instrumental in the publication of the Course in Miracles. Raised in the Christian Science Church, which is always a good thing you want to have as a biblical foundation, uh... Thetford believed the Course was a representation of the original teachings of Jesus. See, there's a gigantic push now for us to all believe that the Bible is this big book of fallacy. This is why we have the Da Vinci Code. This is why we have the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail. This is why we have what the Discovery Channel aired, the Lost Tomb of Jesus. This is why we have now all of a sudden all these lost Gnostic Gospels coming out, like the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Judas and all a Gospel of Judas. That's one I definitely want to read. That's the one I'm going to really believe. I'm, I, we've even we've even talked about that before. You know, it was basically that it boiled down to the fact that Judas was just the scapegoat, and that he was really the only one that was right with Christ. Uh, it, it was unbelievable with the assertions in the Gospel of Judas. But this is what the big push is now, because the devil knows that in order for the strong delusion to come full swing, he has got to try as hard as he can to throw doubt, to put question, and to pervert and pollute the Word of God. Because the Word of God stands on its own, and, and the Word of God would exposes all this that we're talking about today. So, he's working overtime for this. So if we go further, this lady that uh, wrote The Course of Miracles, uh, Shushaman and Thetford met Dr. Kenneth Winpack of the Foundation for Inner Peace, in 1972, it sounds pretty new age to me, the copyright for the course was turned over to Wapnick and his organization in 1975. So this, so the Course of Miracles was turned over to the Foundation for Inner Peace in 1972. In September of the same year, the publication of the first edition of A Course of Miracles began. Shushaman died in February of 1981 in Thetford in 1988. The primary reason for the course is the correcting of the errors of Christianity. <laughs> Unbelievable. So this is why the Course in Miracles got started. So that they could correct the errors. Now it's channeled through this demonic spirit to a Jewish atheist. And this is going to correct the errors of Christianity. Okay. And then it's also to foster spiritual development through the study and the practice of A Course in Miracles, which is a set of three books channeled by supposedly Jesus to teach the Course's reinterpretation of traditional Christian principles such as sin, suffering, forgiveness, atonement, and a meaning of the crucifixion. That's why this came out. Did, did you notice that, isn't it kind of funny... That so much of the time, and we, we saw this with this expose and the railings, and we see it with, with Lord Betrayal, and we see it so many times, that when you have something like this, why aren't they targeting Hinduism? Why aren't they targeting Buddhism, or Confucianism, or Mormonism, or Job, or Catholic? They're targeting Bible-believing Christianity. Because Satan knows that's his only real threat. He knows that's the threat. Okay, He's already got Buddhism, and Hinduism, and all the other isms. Pretty much. Okay, so that's why this particular New Age Bible is in diametrically opposed to, it's not diametrically opposed to the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita or whatever those Hindus read. It's not, no, it's the Bible. And that shouldn't be of any surprise really to us. So over the past decade, Williamson has continued to champion A Course in Miracles in the media and in her public appearances around the country. In more recent book, 
uh, healing and the soul of America has enabled Williamson and the course to make a subtle transition into the political arena, hoping to inspire a new gospel approach to the national and world problems. Williamson, along with the best-selling Conversations with God author Neil Donald Walsh, co-founded the Global Resistance Renaissance Alliance. So now you've got the guy that wrote, the woman that wrote Course of Miracles, or this organization that now has the Course of Miracles, teaming up with now the best-selling um, author, Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God, which is Oprah Winfrey's favorite book. Now they're teaming up and they founded the Global Renaissance Alliance. Okay, so to go a little bit further with this Course in Miracles, because I really wanted to know, I didn't, having researched it up to this point, I really didn't feel I had said enough about A Course in Miracles to get the listeners to understand what is the real basic tenets of this. And we've kind of touched on it, but let's go into this further. A Course of Miracles, which uh, the book channeled by Helen Shushiman, who dictated from an inner voice, who identified her, uh, who identified itself to her as Jesus. Um, these are some of the blasphemous doctrines that this teaches. Okay, number one, there is no separation of God and his creation. They are all one. Now, this is a New Age belief called pantheism, which means God is in everything. Okay, that's In other words, this table has a spirit. The, we're not higher than anything. The rocks have sp- everything. Okay, Pantheism, nature, worship, these types of things. Okay, um, A lot of that is prevalent over in the Orient as well. The second uh, tenet of A Course in Miracles is God's name is holy, but no holier than yours. Okay. Third, God himself is incomplete without me. In other words, God needs me in order to exist. For heaven is not a place nor a condition. It is merely the awareness of ones of, of perfect oneness. Now, I really have an urge to go into a lotus position and start meditating right now. Sorry. Just kidding. Uh, five, we do not need a savior. We are, we are the source of our own salvation. Oh, is that so? Hmm. Could have swore the Bible said, For you are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me Jesus Christ said that. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, This is the big, gigantic, new age lie. And this is the essence of the lie that the serpent told Eve in the Garden of Eden where he came to her, and he beguiled her through subtlety, and he said that ye shall be as gods. That was the big carrot. Okay? And if, we're, if we ourselves are gods, then I guess we would kind of be, probably be the source of our own salvation. And this is the big New Age lie, that we're going to be gods, and God-like, or whatever, but not holy God. So the sixth tenet is that there is no sin, it is all just an illusion. So sin is an illusion now. The seventh tenet is that all your sins have been forgiven because they are carried because they carried no effect at all. And so they were but dreams. Okay. So their sins have been forgiven because they carried no effect at all. They were so in other words, that does away with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, you know, the sin atonement, the whole nine yards. Number eight, do not make the pathetic air of clinging to the old rugged cross. Quote. Now, can you see how obvious and blatant this is? I mean, if Satan is obviously, he's on this side of the, of the, of the uh, argument here, this is Satan talking, essentially, don't we want to be on the opposite side? Are we going to believe what he says? Number nine, the only message of the crucifixion is that you can overcome the cross. Until then, you are free to crucify yourselves as often as you choose. I have to like read these twice to understand the insanity. The only message of the crucifixion is that you can overcome the cross. Until then, you are free to crucify yourself as often as you choose. Oh, isn't that nice? Well, this is what the Catholics attempt to do every single week when they take Mass. Because they believe that they are actually, literally, re-crucifying Jesus Christ on the cross. Every, that's why they always have Jesus Christ up on the cross when you go to a Catholic church. you ever notice that? They've got the suffering Jesus Christ up on a cross. Because they believe through the doctrine of transubstantiation that the Catholic priest can call down Jesus Christ and absolutely, totally recreate him in the Catholic communion host. Okay? 
The literal blood and body of Jesus Christ is recreated through the wine in the Catholic communion host. That's what they believe through the doctrine of transubstantiation. So, in other words, they're re-crucifying the Son of God afresh every single time they take communion. Because then they're continually repaying for their sin debt. But Jesus Christ said, it is finished. It's over. Okay? But they don't believe that. So, then... If we take a second look at uh, Schuller's connection with the Course in Miracles, Schuller states, now this is what Robert Schuller states about the Course in Miracles, that one day he went into a relaxation meditation mode and experienced the sense that he was floating, suspended in space. An out-of-body experience, it sounds like. And he had an encounter with Jesus and an accompanying vision. Very soon a Course in Miracles began to be offered, authored offered at the Crystal Cathedral bookstore. So he sells it at the Crystal Cathedral. Can you imagine, after everything that we just said, Schuler has the audacity to actually offer this and promote it. I mean, this is unbelievable. Schuler endorses visualization, visual, visualization to help you in your prayer, saying, quote, don't try to understand it, just start to enjoy it. It's true, I tried it. End of quote. He wrote those words in the foreword to Yang Cho's Fourth Dimension, which teaches you to use this to get what you want. Isn't that what the, that secret's all about, that they're talking about? And we're going to be talking more about that too. And talk about visualizations, Yang Cho says Jesus appeared to him dressed like a fireman and told him to preach. <laughs> this is the insanity that's going on. And this is why it's so dangerous in the Pentecostal circles because you've got people that say, Jesus Christ has personally appeared to me. Benny Hinn says it. I mean, Benny Hinn, we, we talked about that last week. He talks with the dead. He talks with Catherine Kuhlman and Amy Slipper McPherson. He's had Jesus visit him. He's had angels visit him. And the problem is, is when these manifestations of these apparitions happen, what they're being told, if Jesus really appeared to him, why wasn't he rebuking him and upbraiding him? Wouldn't that be like the first order of priority with Benny Hinn or any of these apostates? It's never that at all. It's basically just say, giving them a new revelation. No, no, you're right on the right track. But now you have to go here. Well, that's what Satan is doing. And the Bible says if, if that Satan can be transformed into an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers be transformed into ministers of righteousness. This is not something that should surprise us. Remember, what is the chief means that these antichrists and the Antichrist himself are going to deceive people through lying signs and wonders. Well, if you have an apparition show up in your bedroom, would that be under the guise of a lying sign and wonder? You know? So, it's just, um, it, it makes my job really easy. Really does. I mean, this is like so flagrant, so obvious, so out there. It, I mean, it's... It's, it really does make my job pretty easy as far as exposing these uh, these apostates. Okay, so going back to this uh, article, it says all of Jim Polsky's books, according to Smith, are based on A Course in Miracles. Now, let's see here. Jim Polsky is the one... Okay, so Jim Polsky, who is this guy that's very, very high up in the New Age. Um, all of his books, according to Smith, are based on A Course in Miracles. So this is a New Age devotee that every bit of his books are based on A Course in Miracles, which is this New Age Bible. Okay, But yet, there was Schuler on his TV show recommending all of Jim Palsky's famous works. So this is one of the guys that Robert Schuler has featured on The Hour of Power. Okay, His TV show. So, He's recommending all of his books. Schuler. He even noted he sold some of them in the Crystal Cathedral bookstore. And according to Smith, for a while, Schuler even hosted a Course of Miracles study group in his church. Schuler was ahead of Oprah Winfrey in regard to New Age teachings. Unbelievable. It's not a one-way street either, says Smith. New Age leaders like Walsh was the author of the best-selling Conversations with God, and Jampowski go out of the way to praise Schuler as well. Now let's go ahead, and let's go to, um, oh, i got so many pages here. Let's go to, now let's look at 
at conversations with God. Okay? Which is, remember, Oprah Winfrey's favorite book, integrally related with A Course in Miracles. These both, uh, both the, the organizations that have the rights to these have teamed up now. They have their own organization. So this conversations with God. This is Neil Don Walsh's, uh, wrote this conversation with God, is considered one of the most prominent people in today's New Age spirituality. His book took shape when Walsh became frustrated with his life after four failed marriages, and he decided to write a letter to God. He picked up a yellow legal pad and began to pour out his frustrations. He wrote, What have I done to deserve a life such as, such of such continuing struggle? To my surprise, as I scribbled out my last bitter, unanswerable question and prepared to toss my pen aside, my hand remained poised over the paper, as if it were held there by some invisible force. Abruptly, the, the pen began moving on its own. I had no idea what, what I was about to write, but I had an idea that seemed to just be coming out of me, so I decided to flow with it. And out it came. Do you really want answers to all these questions, or are you just venting? This is God, supposedly. His hand. Now you can imagine, he wrote this, this letter, this indictment to God, essentially some you know, new age guy, and then all of a sudden the hand starts writing on its own. Do you really want answers to all these questions, or are you just venting? Thus begin Walsh's conversation with God, where we get to read supposedly what God says. Again, it's more blasphemy, it's automatic writing, it's basically demons and devils coming into a person, possessing them, and putting these thoughts on paper. Conversations with God has been extremely popular. And Walsh has written several follow-up books along the same line. The Conversations with God book, Conversations with God, uh, book number two, three, Communion with God, questions, questions and answers on the conversation of God. Uh, not to leave out the fourth book, Conversations with God for Teens. Oh, good. Let's take a look at some of these conversations Neil has had with God, supposedly. In this particular conversation, Neil is discussing right from wrong with God. So, this is Walsh. But those who have taught me all about right and wrongs, the do's and don'ts, the shoulds, the shouldn'ts, told me all those rules were laid down by you, God. Now, this is imposing this question to God. God responds. Remember, this is Satan responding, essentially. Satan says, then those who taught you were wrong. I have never set down right or wrong, a do or a don't. To do so would be to strip you completely of your greatest gift, the opportunity to do as you please. <laughs> this is conversations with God. You see why Oprah loves this book so much. You see why the New Age, you know what, what it all boils down to if you really want to boil it down? They do not want to be accountable to a holy God. They don't want to play by God's rule book, which is the Bible. So if they can invent their own rule book, supposedly from the same person, well, hey, they get to have their cake and eat it too. That's the essence of everything that we're talking about today. They're so wanting the strong delusion. They're so wanting to believe the lie, so that they don't have to be accountable. But they are accountable, no matter what. They're going to be accountable at the great white throne judgment, no matter what. They're not going to be at the judgment seat of Christ because they're not even saved. So, <laughs> this is what we're dealing with here. And you probably already figured that out, but I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Um, so, yes, supposedly this God said, to do so would be to strip you of completely of your greatest gift, the opportunity to do as you please, and experience the results of that. To say something, a thought, or a word, an action is wrong would be as much as to tell you not to do it. To prohibit you would be to restrict you. To restrict you would be to deny the reality of who you really are. Now, remember, Aleister Crowley wrote in, I believe, that book that was automatically dictated to him, the book of the law, that the greatest tenet of the coming new age, that the greatest tenet of Satanism, that the greatest tenet of the occult, is do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Okay, and that's exactly what this devil's telling this guy. Okay, so just to see, again, we have more confirmation there. So, the, this kind of talk is sweet music to the moral relativist who loves to hear and believe people are divine and are thus God. Walsh later asked God about good and evil, only to get the following response. 
God, God says, or, or Satan, evil is that which you call evil, yet even that I love. For it is only through that which you call evil that you can know good. Only through that which you call the work of the devil that that which you can know the work of God. I do not love hot more than cold, high more than low, left more than right. It is all relative. It is what, it is all part of what is. I can hardly read this because it's so disjointed and it makes no sense hardly at all. And then he says, I do, I do not love good more than I love bad. Then he says, this is this, this supposed God with a small g, Hitler went to heaven. When you understand this, you will understand God. Is this insanity? But this is conversations with God. This is the book Schuller. I mean, all of these things, all the people in the New Age, uh, Christianity, the Apostate Luke, they're, they're going to be promoting this more and more and more. This is going to become more of a new age, more of the Bible to them than, than the Bible, the Word of God is now. Now, this is all contrary, obviously, to Revelation chapter 3, where God says that I would rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. You know, and because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Because you're, you're, you're blind, you're wretched, you're naked, you're weak, and yet you think you're in need of nothing. This is exactly this, the, the church era and time that we're living in right now. So it says here that evidently Hitler went to heaven. Whereas the Bible says, in Psalm 97 verse 10, it says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. But this supposed God with a small g, he loves evil as much as he loves good. It's all relative. There's no difference. We mustn't judge. So let's examine what God is supposedly saying. God's plan is to allow you to do as you please, even if it harms others. If you think about it, if, if you do whatever you want to do, if it harms others, well, hey. One of the few behaviors left in our society that makes even New Asians recoil is pedophilia. So let's use that as an example. It is therefore now God's plan to allow us to defile children, to teach us to know what good is and what evil is. This God, with a small g, doesn't love the good of protecting children from a pedophile more than the bad of allowing it to happen. Think about it. I mean, I just use a little bit of common sense here. Um, this God that this uh, Neil guy is conversing with is sick and perverse, demented. In 1992, Neil Donald Walsh, a disillusioned and distraught former uh, radio talk show host and public relations professional, longtime metaphysical seeker. Now, see, this is why all the doors were there already opened. You say, well, how did they get into this? How did like these demons come in and possess them, and how did they automatic write? They, the doors were already there. They were already open. This guy was already in the metaphysical. Um, the other lady was a Jewish atheist. Okay, so the doors were already there. These were not born-again Christians, and all of a sudden they saw the light. Okay, so that's, a, that's important to understand that. Um, let's see here, if we go further. Uh, just some more quotes from this Conversations with God book. Page 144, book 1. And so I have chosen you to be my messenger, you and many others. For now, during these times immediately ahead, the world will need many trumpets to sound the clarion call. End of quote. That's exactly right, it, but it's going to be the Antichrist call. Remember, Jesus said there's going to be many Antichrists. There's, there's only going to be one Antichrist, but there's going to be many Antichrists. So that's what we're dealing with here. Okay, and Satan has to have his messengers out there trumpeting these things. Uh, this is a quote from page 36 of Conversations with God, book 2. The purpose of this book and all of the books in the trilogy we are creating is to create readiness. Readiness for a new paradigm. A new understanding. A larger view. A grander idea. Well, let me go further with that and say a one world religion, a one world political system, a one world currency... You know, the New World Order, which the Bible clearly predicts, you know, in Revelation, this is essentially going to be the way it is. Whereas the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, seek ye the old paths, wherein is wisdom. But this is always about a new paradigm, a new thing. God's doing a new thing, a new work. And then we go to page 373 of one of these books. Uh, it says, there is only one message that can change the course of human history forever. End the torture and bring... 
end the torture and bring you back to God. The message is the new gospel, that we are all one. And that's what you hear a lot in New Age circles. We're all one. You know, we just need to come together. We need to put aside our theological differences and we need to be one big happy apostate going to hell family. Is essentially what they're wanting. This is from page 23. There is only one of us. You and I are one. And this is supposedly God saying this. Here's another uh, quote. Page 357. There are thousands, there are a thousand paths to God. What a lie from the pit of hell. But that's what this book's teaching. There are a thousand paths to God, and everyone gets you there. Everyone. Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucius, don't matter. They all get you there. But you can see how this is really appealing to somebody. I mean, from the flesh. Hey, you know, everybody's going to heaven. Uh, then, he, then book, uh, book two of Conversations with God, page 22, says, Many have been Christed. Not just Jesus of Nazareth. You can be Christed too. End of quote. Well, is that so? So now, these are the five steps to peace. If you take them, you can shift everything on our planet. Now, we're going to talk about the five steps to peace. I'm going to go ahead and close out part one here, and we'll go to part two right now.